एक मिनट रुक जाओ रेडी होने दो चलो ये कर लेते हैं राशि Having spent time abroad, she was aware of the best-in-class pet products and struggled to find good-quality, pet-friendly products in India. Instead of complaining about it, she set out to build those products herself. And when no retailer would stock her products, she decided to start her own pop-up store. Rashi's journey of more than a decade in creating and scaling up Heads Up for Tails is a classic case study on how entrepreneurial success is all about perseverance and grit more than anything else. Today, Heads Up for Tails is the largest D2C brand in the pet care space, having raised a massive 37 million dollars in their Series A round, and the journey is just beginning. Here's Rashi telling Akshay Tat about building this wonderful venture. So, uh, Rashi, you know, what's your origin story? I think I always had that entrepreneurial streak in me ever since I was little. I was always at the forefront of collecting funds for charity, going door to door selling Christmas cards and Diwali cards and raffle tickets and organizing, you know, colony mailas and exhibitions and anything that had to do with bringing um, something together. I used to love to be leading that. so i think that and i always i always knew that i wanted to become an entrepreneur and and at that time i actually wanted to do it uh, to be able to be there more for my family not knowing how demanding it's going to be and how far away from the <laughs> that is so i always thought okay you know i'd love to do something of my own be my own boss um very idealistic uh, big dreams in my eyes all of that stuff in my teens i wanted to become someone who could possibly go on to working with national geographic and discovery channel and and then at some point i wanted to become an astronaut and go and explore outer space and then multiple times i was told by counselors and family there's no future of any of that there <laughs> you know and then i think i moved on to um wanting to do i actually i always wanted to do something with animals even when i look back at my scrap books from like class 3 class 7 you know there's something about that there uh, forever and um, then when i think i was in the 11th or 12th i got i i got very very keen into design and art and i wanted to do graphic design so there was all sorts of spaces that i wanted to explore um and none of those happened <laughs> So, you know, <laughs> why is that like, like like why didn't any of those uh, things work out well i think a lot of the 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 spaces for conservation and um, that that space fell off when i decided i didn't want to do science and biology and all of that stuff and then for art um art graphic design etc was also very new in the country at that time and um when i act, i mean i actually i actually studied for those exams and i prepared for them yes but 
somehow when I went to visit the uh, institutions and I actually saw what they were doing, I couldn't connect to it at that time. I hadn't had the exposure of what futuristic design looks like. And so I decided to go in for a more general uh, degree, you know, around commerce. Um, and that's really where life took me. So that's what happened. And then but after I finished... Why the- UK? Like, why did you decide to study abroad? Actually, it was my father who pushed me. You know, I, I lived in this big joint family. I was the only girl and I was very sheltered and protected. And my father really wanted me to uh, step out and feel that independence and learn all the things that come with leaving home, um, fending for myself, being able to manage so many emotions, finances, studying, etc. So he, he was the one who really championed me to to uh, explore that life and I'm so glad he did because uh, that was just so valuable what I learned from there and the friends that I made and the lessons that I've learned uh, so that was a wonderful opportunity so then what happened when you like finished uh, your bachelor's in business I came back to India uh, for a little while I did a couple of internships then I wanted to do my master's so I went back and did my master's in human resource management. And during this time, I had completely forgotten about that entrepreneurial dream. Uh, everybody was applying for jobs and it was so exciting. And I did the same thing. And I did get a lovely job at a international MNC. I was super excited about that. And This uh, is uh, a city group. Yes, yes. And, and this job was in UK only? Yes, it was in London. And uh, But then I remember that when I did start finally, I remember just uh, the first couple of weeks were very exciting. Um, but then I remember just being in a massive tower with thousands of people and just starting to feel that whether I'm here or not here actually doesn't really matter. And I just felt like the impact I was making was just not enough to drive me um and so that chapter came to an end fairly quickly i realized that this is just not what i want to do um and then i got married i moved to the u.s so when you like, like when you quit your job uh, did you have uh, i mean you're getting like a salary and it would be a pretty sizable salary so so did you not face resistance and you know what did you tell people that What's my plan? Everyone would have asked you, why are you quitting? What's your plan? Absolutely. But um, I was also getting married at that time. So there was a lot going on in my life. And I think people were happy to give me that space to figure it out. I was, And then when I did get married, I moved to the US with my husband for a couple of months. Um, so it was a very different life. Um, and so I was just in that zone where I was just, you know, it was such a big transition. And uh and then he got transferred back to India. So we came Tell back. Tell me about home. your husband. Like My husband, he's been in the finance space for many, many, many years. So he was working in um, in a hedge fund and an investment bank. So he has he has basically that, that background. And, um, uh, and so, yes. And after that, we moved back to Delhi. And um, that's when... Um, a little puppy came into my life who pretty much changed everything. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so it's because like, I had... Did, uh, was it like gifted or did you want to adopt? 
I wanted to adopt because I had always grown up with dogs and um even in even in the US I used to keep bringing I used to foster so I used to bring dogs home from the shelter because there they have couple of days and if they don't get adopted then they are put down so there were always dogs there and then when I came back I I I mean once you've tasted life with a pet companion it's hard to to live one without and uh, and so we got little sara home um for for uh, in november i think sometime and november uh, which year i think it was 2006 okay yes hmm. Hmm. and uh, she was just and what uh, what breed is she she's a, a labrador okay yeah and she was just naughty and full of life and curiosity and she was just this happy little baby who who just brought so much joy and i think that that was the first time that i was solely responsible for a dog versus the being part of a larger family and so i really felt like the pet parent and i wanted her to live her best life um and um and it was just such a special relationship i mean she was just incredibly special and i think when i started to try and find products for her i just couldn't find anything that i really liked um and that was really the spark of that i saw a lot of white space i i realized that other pet parents like myself would one products for their furry family members and i remember specifically on her first birthday i went to seven eight stores in the city and i came back home with nothing like nothing at all and i think that was really like okay now that's it <laughs> so but how uh, how did you know that uh, this is not a good product i mean you're not the consumer so to say uh, you know you're I, buying I, it on behalf of the consumer yes so. yes i'll tell you um there were treats they were full of chemicals i couldn't even pronounce anything that was at the back of the packet uh if it was a biscuit it was say if it was a chicken biscuit it was actually maida with a few drops of chicken flavoring called a chicken biscuit if it was a toy it was just not doing anything bad quality looked dirty i mean like nothing really for her to live her best life and city dogs they have a different life from dogs in the wild dogs in the wild have so much mental stimulation you know whether it's for taste or sound or touch or smell and our city dogs they need they need a different kind of care and i just could not find that at all i mean that that was a lim- that was the limit of the product out there you know very basic stuff did you also compare with products available say like in the us or uk where you had lived previously like like was, was that like a benchmark you were looking for here or no, was it purely I- on the merit of the product stand alone purely on the merit of the product stand alone i wasn't because over there i i didn't actually go into that many pet stores you know we'd get a lot of we'd get some basic stuff from the shelters that we were working with and these dogs were with us just for a couple of days or weeks so um i actually did not explore that side of uh, the uk or the us and uh, it was purely just this i mean if it was a collar or a leash it was just made of steel and there was nothing that was nice that would appeal to a pet parent or to anyone's design sensibilities uh, that was just completely missing they may be very functional and they may be able to restrain a dog from you know being free and like 
having a collar etc but nothing that was designed for comfort for their comfort understanding their body type understanding their mentality nothing at all so um yeah that's that's really where the spark happened and um i realized so that in I this one year like you know you you like on our first birthday is where you felt that so in that one year uh, like how, how were you spending your time like i was i had come to De- i had i was just in the process of settling down in delhi i was helping an ngo close by working with some children having an amazing time um this ngo was doing some lovely work and i was looking for the next opportunity the next thing to do i had also just come back and uh, i was settling into um my in-laws big family um and so they weren't you know we, we were just trying to figure out okay what what should i do next and then yeah so i was i when mean, i was in a full time role in this ngo um and that was just a very rewarding lovely chapter mm-hmm. so this spark like got ignited uh, you know what did you do about that then i didn't really know where to start um i started doing a little bit of research trying to build a business plan but there was nothing out there there was no there was no one to learn from there was no data there was no reference points there was no product there was no customer there was nothing <laughs> so after a couple of weeks of trying you know really like really trying to dig deep i just uh, i gave up because it had nothing in it this <laughs> is land in terms of you know how do i project anything at all and um, i started to decide what do i want for sara first so what could i work with easily for example i realized that i could work with soft furnishings easier than other things um that's something that's accessible i can find vendors for it easily so i started by making bedding clothing some toys things like that which but um it took forever to even do that because nobody wanted to work with me uh, when they heard that it was for a dog uh the vendors just used to show me the the very politely and they used to make fun and so what do you mean by vendor here was it like a like a you know say chandni chowk killer or like was it like a proper factory or what like like small factories i didn't know where to start so I, you know small factories that even have 8 9 10 tailor setups um and they just used to laugh at me and sort of be sarcastic or whatever else and show me the door <laughs> so it took and and i was also learning everything akshay it's not like i knew any of this so my my growth my my learning curve was really steep i was trying to understand body structures patterns what is okay for their skin what is not how can i build something that does not you know inhibit their uh, mobility and they should be able to run and play and sleep and you know do anything that they need to and be super comfortable and um it was uh, lots of <laughs> lots of trials and lots of stumbles um and then i finally found literally one tailor through a friend and a friend and a friend who said okay i will come and build these samples with you and uh, literally that's how it started Just- um and then i took them to pet stores and in delhi first and then even slowly across the country and again there was complete um, 
rejection there <laughs> there was you know they just said uh, this is not going to work oh, please um, please leave We're wasting our time why, why, why is that like what, what was the At reason that time i couldn't understand why but now when i look back i realize it was because a lot of these pet stores were being run by people who didn't really have pets so they couldn't understand the emotional connect they couldn't understand the relationship so that's why the way that they were curating their stores or what they had it was just a transactional business that they couldn't understand where i was coming from um they thought so, ki ye bikega nahi exactly like, yeah that? that's that's okay. what they used to say okay who's going to buy this and whatever so uh, i remember that phase of feeling extremely uh low and rejected and you know i tried in so many places but uh, and then i decided okay i'm going to launch with an online store uh because i didn't have the funds and when was this? this this was in 2008 okay um so i started we started with a tiny online store a class 10 or 11 stu- class 10 student built it for me for 5000 rupees <laughs> and e-com wow. was also new then you know it was just yeah, there yeah, was yeah, yeah. there, there was, was no shopify there was nothing plug and play yeah, yeah and, mm. and the infrastructure around it was also not available so it was yeah, really yeah, plugging like basic mm. stuff together and i remember um, of, of course i was a one man army but i remember akshay even if i got four orders a month i would be so thrilled that somebody from chennai or visakhapatnam or bihar or someone has found my website and actually bought for their pet i mean it was the best feeling ever you, so, you had like a payment gateway on it or yes, it was cash yes. okay yeah okay. i think uh, cc avenue had also just launched around then and flipkart had launched so you know that ecosystem was being built but we were just Tiny. and you would like so, courier it to whoever ordered yes yes we'd courier it um so i was trying to do i was trying to do everything customer care cataloging photo shoots content everything <laughs> so, yeah and uh, i remember i'd write handwritten notes to every single customer you know put in little freebies all of that stuff just the thrill of an entrepreneur getting an order with like um, right. just lots right. of effort um and then um uh, one of the malls in delhi had just opened this was selexity walk and uh, when i went to visit i saw these little carts um you know in the corridors and uh, with some small businesses displaying their product so i got super excited and i told the management that you know please i really want to rent it and i remember the rent was pretty high So it was a very premium mall, you know, in, in yeah, Delhi. Yeah, yeah, heart of South Delhi. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And um, they gave me the rental amount, and I said, "No, there's no way I can pay this." <laughs> so I said, "Can you please make me a weekend contract?" They just again, they thought I was totally crazy. Like, you know, this is not what we do. These are our rules. We cannot draw a contract out for two days for you. Like, please, what the hell? <laughs> But, but i begged them i don't know how i begged them but i did and they actually allowed me a weekend and the joke is that uh, i still haven't left <laughs> so, so this was back in 2008 in around september or something so uh, this was like a kiosk it was a tiny was kiosk yes it was a tiny okay. kiosk hmm. but uh, akshay what it did was that it suddenly made the product very discoverable uh because people had not been exposed to it before 
and so we had uh, the opportunity to talk to customers directly understand pain points understand problem areas of what they were facing with their dogs and cats and that uh, that input really is what i kept taking to the drawing board to say to saying okay how do i how do i solve for this with a product and it could be it could be things like products for senior dogs products for puppies functional things everyday things that had just been overlooked somebody telling me okay my dog you know his his joints and bones are getting i mean he's getting old he can't get up you know and and they would obviously not give the solution it's just conversation but then you take it to your team and we said okay let's build an orthopedic bed and let's build supplements that can help natural all natural turmeric coconut oil all these kind of things treats which are preservative free um so so many products we've introduced more than 100 india first products and and so that was a very exciting journey of constantly taking this um real conversation and and then trying to build a product to be able to solve it uh, so you would man the store yourself like i used to spend was- i used to spend a lot of hours standing there i did get help because it was hard and there were so many other places to be at orders to be packed and phones to be answered and tagging to be done and little warehouse which was one half a room of you know things to be sorted so i did get a little bit of help but i used to i used to sort of be there in the all the busy hours of the day to be able to speak to customers and get this input um how much sales did you see that made you convinced that yes i can afford this place and Like, I remember like, you know, what, I remember hmm. on the weekends uh sometimes on busy weekends uh, if I I I would even do something like a 25000 a day that was super exciting weekdays were much much slower it used to be 5000 6000 but just the fact that if there were people there was demand so i think that's what um gave us a little bit of encouragement and hope that um this is possible i mean it was a tiny little chaos with just a few products but if we could do that then there was just that excitement ke kuch ho sakta hai <laughs> so, right 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 okay. and uh, and then i and then just a year after i started out my husband got posted again out of the country um hmm. so i had to uh, 2009 this yes, happened yes the, okay yeah so again i went with him um and um I could not. I could not shut this down. Everybody said, "This is crazy." I mean, how are you going to run this? Uh, it's anyway so small, and then I was at the center of it all. Like there wasn't a team around it, uh, so um, I just decided to keep it going. Um, and I used to come back quite often, every couple of months for a couple of weeks, uh, and then go back. And was it uh, breaking even? Like you know, uh, I'm sure it would have been paying the rent cost at least, like the rent yes. and cost of materials. Yes, it did, and also whatever savings I had, I had put them in just to be able to build out the product. It was the inventory, and of course, all these numbers were small, Akshay. But at that time, they were huge. <laughs> so, mm, right. Yeah. So yes, yeah. it was, was breaking even, and um, mm. like you would be doing a couple of lakhs a month kind yes, of sale. Yes. Yeah. Early numbers, like maybe. Three four lakhs, and that was just it. So it was just about just about breaking even after cost of inventory and somebody to help, etc. So um, then I, I commuted for the next seven years, uh, and that was 
frustratingly difficult because I didn't know what the end point was. Uh, I didn't know when we went that, okay, it's going to be till so-and-so time. And um, finally, in 2000... But why didn't you just like, you know, give it up, give it to someone? What made you want to keep running it? I'm sure in Singapore, you would have access to the things you needed. I mean, the origin was that you wanted good quality products for your pet, which in Singapore, that would have been solved. Uh, Yes and no, actually. Uh, There wasn't so much even there at that time. I think the market has really evolved in the last couple of years. But back then, not much. All the pet stores, they were also very basic. They had food and they may have a better quality collar and something else. But it wasn't like I wanted, I always envisioned that should walk into our stores and feel like you've come in to a Disneyland for dogs and cats. (laughs) There should be just happy things that help to improve their lives and bring joy to both of yours. And uh, the store experiences were very basic, even there. Um, So while it was lovely on the personal side, it was really a wonderful chapter with lovely friends. I spent our time commuting. I spent our time learning as much as I can. Thank God for the age of digital. Um, And And it was largely offline, like those seven years? They were offline and online too. So I kept the online store going. Sometimes it would become too overwhelming and I didn't have people. So I'd shut it down. Then I'd start it again. I mean, it was just very sporadic. And uh, it was and just, were you uh, also like doing new product development and launching yes, new products? Yes, okay. all the time, okay. all the time. Okay. So I, was, okay. I did a quick I did a quick course in graphic design. And I, you know, I was trying to do my own designs and... Things like that, experimenting with a lot so of at stuff. At least that one childhood dream of being yes, a designer. Absolutely. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I did. <came> <laughs> I did. Yeah, and even yeah. now, I mean I work I mean I work entirely on the creative side with the design team. So I you know I feel fulfilled. That that part feels very fulfilled. <laughs> so yeah. So you like kept researching, launching new products in these seven years. So by the end of seven years, like, you know, what scale had it reached? Was it still like a couple of lakhs or? Yes, it was still a couple of lakhs. Um, It was still that one uh, retail uh, kiosk. And online was also um, two, three lakhs a month, if that, if that, by the end of the seven years. So it was, it was very small. And I remember um, coming back in 2015 end. And I think by then our revenue was about eight, seven, eight lakhs a month. So we were about at that, that and, stage. And had the market overall evolved in that It period? had. It had, yes. But not not uh, so much. And, and also during my time away, that's another thing that I really focused on. So we had the um, the power of social media available to all of us, no matter big or small. And that time the algorithms and all were not so uh, paid traffic driven. You know, there was a lot of reach even with organic. And uh, it was lovely to be able to share our products, share our stories, talk about what we were thinking, educate a lot of customers. We did a lot of blogs and video content and so much even then to try to build the consumer because the consumer didn't quite exist um, in their current form. And and then when we came back, uh, I came back and I had a two-year-old daughter with me as well. 
so uh, <laughs> that was another new chapter trying to come back with her and settling her down and uh, two year olds need a lot of time and attention yeah, and energy absolutely. and <laughs> so mm-hmm. that was a difficult chapter because uh, i came back also to grow the company and the company needed me like 100% as well so it was hard uh, you know i used to take her to office many times and um I, it was what w- what office like you only had a kiosk and maybe some warehouse where you would or, or like did you take up an office space also i took up a tiny office space uh, when we when we came back um very small very very tiny uh, so i used to take her there and try to and, and then i started and to hire you, some like, people okay so what kind of people did you uh, like hire very basic just he- people to help pick up the phone somebody to help me with um inventory someone to help with logistics and you know a lot of the orders or a lot of the calls and emails used to be about where is my order and you know just help with things like that but then we scaled up quite rapidly um you know trying to build up small versions of every team one graphic designer one content person so i was not trying to do everything myself so it was seven eight people that we hired junior junior level and what was the plan was it to go more offline expansion or online expansion we were very excited with online first to start with but we realized that nobody was searching for any of the products that we were making so so we decided okay we have to make the product discoverable so then we went totally offline i mean we still stayed omni channel and kept the website but the focus went entirely offline to try to build stores and um, we built out one store after the other and that enabled the discovery the discovery so if somebody came in asking for a bag of dog food then we'd have the opportunity to connect with them on their pet give them recommendations help them discover these products that were built to solve problems and uh, literally that was it one by one one customer at a time one store at a time one product at a time uh, just trying to uh, you know share how, how did you vision. fund the expansion because each new store would mean a significant upfront expense right like yes yes so when we came back in um, 2015 and in 2016 i raised a angel round and uh, in fact at that time we also merged with another pet company in bangalore um and the two the two founders of that also came on as co-founders so suddenly the team became bigger it was three of us and um then tell we, me about this merger like uh, how did it get initiated like you know what because they're like in a completely different city what made that happen then when uh, when i had built out the product range for heads up details and i had gone to all of these pet stores and all of them had said no a couple of months later after i did start out on pop up stores and selectivity i got an email from this one store in bangalore who said you know we really love a lot of what you're building and we want to keep 10 each of everything and i was super excited because 10 each of everything is a lot you know at that time so and then uh, so ever since then we just became friends and we became partners and then we were pretty, we had very aligned thoughts on what we want to do the kind of product the kind of customer the kind of stores so we said you know why do two of them they were also offline together? first 
they were also only offline yes okay okay and, and the so, geography was different so that uh, synergy was pretty good then i yes, guess yes yes so they, they so we just said why do double double let's just do it together um and that was uh, that was back in 2016 so and this was after your angel round or first they came on and then you raised after the angel round okay Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. And uh, like, yeah, how did uh, it get negotiated? Like, you know, in terms of who has the bigger stake and stuff like that. Like, how, you know, that's like a awkward conversation to negotiate. How did you do that? We, I think, we've always been very transparent. So we were just able to put on the table our strengths, what we could each contribute, and um, you know, what what. Um, what value each of us would bring and then we were able to we were able to to navigate through that quite fairly easily so that was not very hard uh, and i also it was all fairly small at that time so um it didn't seem so intimidating or so overwhelming and i think we just had a good understanding so that was that was not so hard okay but but it became like a decentralized organization like you had two co-founders in bangalore and one in delhi or like did you move in into a common office or like uh, you know no like- we were doing we were doing uh, all of us were responsible for different things so um we did have a delhi office and a bangalore office and we weren't so um, how do i say we weren't so worried about the title or the work it was really just everybody getting their hands dirty and just getting things done and moving forward okay okay Okay, so tell me the story from there. Like you're at like a pretty good position of strength now. Three co-founder team, uh, one million fundraise. Then what? Like- then we simultaneously started to do a little bit of the online piece. Uh, hired more people for that. Uh, built that team to be a little bit bigger. Started to work much more on products, on production, inventory, supply chain. Supply chain was hard because. um just to we had to build it up piece by piece and then we started to work a lot on the retail experience there was no one that we could hire who had been there done that so anyone that we hired was somebody that we had to train from scratch and so the learning curve was very long um and and so i i was trying to do a lot of the product side one of the other co-founders was rithima was doing a lot of the store side and the training side and sandeep was doing a lot of the operations uh, the warehousing and so we had divided it very nicely and um, how did you uh, figure out the supply chain part of it like was it like third party manufacturing or did you decide to do in house manufacturing like how did you get that in place we had started out with our own label as heads up for tales and it was fairly niche and premium when we started out but i think soon we realized that the customer is looking for a more convenient solution in this space they're not going to come to us to buy one thing then go somewhere else to buy another thing and so we started to do uh, we started to uh, do the third party as well and um, so for example food now food is not something that we manufacture as yet so we had to add couple of um, brands like your pedigrees royal canines etc so similarly across different categories not all categories but categories where we felt like we didn't have the expertise or the supply we started to add those third party products 
Okay, okay. And your own products, like how were they getting made? Like contracted our products, out? Um, our products, some of them were contracted out. We also set up a small um, manufacturing unit, very tiny, but we were doing a lot of lot, lot of product there. All the soft furnishings we were pretty much doing in-house. And then other things where you need molds and rubber and steel and all of those other materials that we didn't have capabilities for, we were outsourcing those. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. So, like, by 16, uh, what kind of top line were you doing? Like, because you would have had multiple stores by then, like? Oh, uh, well, actually, we I think we were only, by the time we got the funding and settled down, uh, I think we only did one store maybe in 2016, one more. But then uh, 2017, we, we started ramping up. Uh, by 2018, I think we had about nine, ten stores. Wow. Uh, so and that was quite what, exciting. What was like the catchment areas for these stores? Like what would you look for? Like At first, we did one or two standalone stores. Then we realized that, again, we need to still like a, build a lot. A premium for, locality, like say a Vasant Kunj type of a locality. Yes, okay. yes, yes. But then we realized that uh, we need to be in some place which is more high footfall. Because again, people are not going to come out of their way to come to one of our stores. It was just too niche at that time. And so then we started to try to get onto the high street. Uh, that helped a lot because people that already had natural footfalls. So even if you came to buy your gro- everyday groceries, etc., etc., you'd see us and walk in to buy a dog shampoo, dog treats, etc. Mm, right, right. And right. Uh, that, that definitely helped to... Um, get the word out in so many ways. And I think that it also helped to build trust for our online piece. So if somebody was shopping online, they said, okay, we know they're there. So, 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 so the whole omni-channel piece for us has been very important, very useful. Um, I can't exactly remember, but it must have been around four crores, maybe three, four crores. I know that for the first, uh, when when I came back uh, in 2016, I think, or 15 end, I think we were at one, one crore tentatively for the year. And then we did double every year for the next many years. Wow. So I'm just mm-hmm. assuming that we were around three, four crores at that time. Which also felt extremely overwhelming. And we, you know, we just, uh, it was not easy to be able to manage even that because we still didn't have... Uh, enough of a team in-house and you know I remember making all the payments and writing out all the checks and waiting for those so many hundreds of OTPs that had to come in (laughs) so so, yes and I mean offline means a lot of a lot of small small headaches like you know uh, running stores making sure it's opened on time and then there would be so many compliances around it and so many issues which would crop up and AC Nichel, right? You know, something like that. Absolutely. I've been there and dealt with all of them. Cleaner has not come. You have to fill in the gaps. Staff has not come. You have to fill in the gaps. Painting is taking too long because the store has to open tomorrow. You have to fill in the gaps. Everything we have done. But honestly, I think there is such a joy to building it up from scratch and ground up because you know every part of what needs to be done. And so 
if there's ever a problem, you know exactly how to step in. So whether it was implementing software or billing or working with banks and credit card machines and so many vendors and coordinating inventory and we've been there and done every single part of it. So 17 is also when you raised your next round, right? Like Yes. Yes, we we raised a bridge round at that time, yeah. We just we just wanted to top up to be able to scale further. And um, so we, but all, both of these rounds and in fact, our even subsequent round in 2019 was from family offices and HNIs. We didn't want to get, go down the VC route yet because there were still so many things that we were trying to set in the foundation um, and the foundation was still felt shaky in many ways. But um, like, how does... Uh... Uh, how does having a family office as an investor make a difference as opposed to having a VC as an investor? Like, how does it help you? For me, or for us rather, we found that the family offices were people who believe in in a longer relationship, in the long-term vision of the company. They weren't coming in necessarily for a quick exit. Um, and And they were just willing to sort of put their money into this and just let it be for the long, long run. Okay. Patient capital. So, so yes, very patient capital and um, compliances were a lot less. Uh, the due so the amount of time, yes, the amount of time that you're spending on getting all those things and reports and all of that ready is a lot, is all the time that you're taking away from your business and it can get very overwhelming and it can get a lot so uh, we just wanted to keep it simple at that time and um, see how it goes. Where does it lead us to? And and then... Um, but what made a family office select you? Like what would have been appealing from their perspective to invest in uh, Heads Up for Tales? I believe it would be a combination of passion and market opportunity. So um, these were people that... I had met along the journey, talked about, and they understood my vision. Um, the pet care market was in its nascent stage, but I do believe that they saw an opportunity there. And so it just came together. Uh, would it also be that uh, offline business is something that they would understand better? Like it's more closer to traditional businesses? Yes, possibly. Some of them. Uh, there was also a lot of talk of online and we were doing the online on uh, the omni channel as well but it's just that we were focusing more on on the retail because of the things that i told you so and then once you have once you're building something on the side even if it's slow then it's easy to scale it up when you need to because you've already started to put the basic building blocks in place mm-hmm. okay oh, how much were these two rounds like the 17 and the 19 round um 17 was 2 million and then 19 was 10 million. That was our pre-Series A. and um, Which is a pretty big uh, yes. pre-Series A round, yes. especially for that yes. time. I mean, not for today, yes. but... <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and yeah. like such a big round from family offices, it sounds like a pretty remarkable achievement. Like, uh, did you like do a lot of pitches and all that? Or was it like a lot of inbound no. interest or what? Like It was a lot of inbound interest. Okay. Um, we haven't, we hadn't actually done 
any pictures were these also people um, who had pets of their own and so they could connect yes okay absolutely they were and, and we were very picky about we had a lot of inbound interest so we were very lucky and um, to be in that position where we could in in some ways choose whom we wanted to partner with and that was just so important to us and learning ourselves this was not something that uh, we had done before so what were like some of the big big mistakes that you remember like stuff which like really would have given you sleepless nights when we first merged with pause the three of us decided that we will keep heads up for tails as a brand which makes products and we will do a new brand for the multi brand stores because heads up for tails was just a, a a single brand company and so we set up another comp- another another one and that was so hard because on very limited bandwidth now instead of one brand we were trying to run two <laughs> so mm-hmm. right. it was right, right. absolutely a disaster so, so you I'm thought that the store will be called one thing and the products Uh, yes i thought your own the products brand, will have yeah okay yeah because we were we were we were getting in more brands as well so as this was going to be one of several brands and we wanted to retain this as a product piece and build that as a multi brand platform piece but it was very hard i realized that it's so hard to build one brand forget trying to build two simultaneously right. so right right i think 7 right. 8 months later we decided to just close it down and just make one brand <laughs> for everything so that was definitely on the list of big mistakes why did you choose heads up for tails as the flagship brand because it had been known uh, much more than a new brand that we had come up with recently and uh, so we just decided to retain that it had and already between, been in the market for 8 9 8 8 years by then so that's why so so their uh, brand was already there also no in bangalore which you said was called yes. pause yes 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 so we had we we decided to do something completely new pause was becoming a very common uh, name and a lot of pet stores were using it so we said okay let's try something different yeah yeah, yeah. the, the so, <laughs> challenges for that would have been huge. yes exactly <laughs> exactly so that's why Uh, this is a pretty funky name uh, heads up for tails how, how did that name originate i wanted to get something with a dot com and anything that i could think of with a paw with a tail with a wag with a bark with a woof was taken in the us because the us market is so big and so evolved uh, so uh, so i remember going for our first exhibition and not even having the name on my table <laughs> so and then uh, one day one of our friends called and said hey what about heads and tails or then we said okay what about heads up for heads up and tails and then someone said okay no heads up for tails and then it just stuck but honestly i did not know again from at that time about seo about having such a long brand name about you know how people need something short and crisp to remember so it just came out of um, it i didn't know any better to to think in that direction so that's that okay so uh, so tell me about that evolution from 17 to 19 17 to 19 was super exciting we did i remember in 2018 we had already reached about 20 stores um and one of our big and ones how many cities i think we were in four cities okay delhi we bombay bangalore like 
Okay. Yes, we were in Pune, Bangalore, Delhi, and Bombay, and um, we. The exciting part about two thousand eighteen nineteen was we opened a store in Khan Market in Delhi, and um, we opened a big one in Bangalore as well. So we went to more prominent locations and increased the size of the stores, and that also gave us very big visibility. I mean, we didn't realize that. Uh, um, some place like a Khan market could have that much impact in getting the brand known, not just in Delhi, but also people from everywhere in the country. Somehow, it's just center of Delhi. It's just a busy market, and so that uh, obviously we didn't feel it immediately. But um, as time went by, and I would meet someone and tell them what I do, they'd be like. I've seen your store there, and I wow. started to realize that it actually, like you know, has played such a big uh, part. And then in Bangalore, we opened a, a, a big experience center for pets. So we had the spa, we had um, a little bakery, we and it was a large format store. So you know, bakery that was for like, pets or for humans? For pets. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Hmm. So, so it was very exciting two years, and 2019 then is when we raised these uh, flagship the, stores. What kind of uh, daily or monthly sales would they do? A flagship store for us does between 25 to 35 lakhs. Yeah. And and how so, does that compare with like what what would be a way to understand this number? Like a small neighborhood store could do seven to ten lakhs. And with other brands, like say, um, say like a cosmetics store, how much would they be doing? Oh gosh, a lot more actually, for sure. <laughs> the market is still very small and niche, and we are still capturing only one end of the customer um, segment. So we still have a long way to go. Yeah. So uh, the 2019 10 million fundraise. So what was that for? Again, more store expansion. Like yes, what was more the store. I th- I think what we wanted to do was upgrade our talent. Uh, be able to at every level we've wanted to. We've sort of sometimes not every time, but we felt like we had outgrown the team and we needed to bring in more senior people who could help us get to the next level. Um, and so definitely hiring was always on top priority store growth which like you said is capital ex- extensive inventory is capital in- extensive intensive <laughs> inventory is capital intensive product development research all of that is um, requires a lot of capital so it was um, really the same set of investors who were supporting us and yes so maybe a couple of new people came in, but primarily it was the same people. And we also won uh, the World Branding Awards in 2019 for the second time, which is an international one, which made us really excited. That what does that home brand, signify? Like World Branding Award? Like this is um, it's an international competition for brands across the country, uh, across the world, and they started a animal section. So it had all the all the brands, uh, you know, in the pet space apply, and it was really exciting that to have been started as a tiny homegrown company, we were now on a global platform. So that was super exciting, and um, and then 2019 just flew by, and then came 2020. 
Well, <laughs> <laughs> one thing about 19 though, so by 19 you must have been what, like 15, 16 crore if you were doubling each year, you would have... Uh, by 19, yes, I think we must have been about 20 plus. Yes, 20 plus, yeah. 20, maybe 25. I can't remember exactly, but I think ah, we were okay, around rough. that time. Yes. So, uh, like... It, when uh, the pandemic hit, what percentage of your revenue was from offline? Almost 70%. Okay. So then what happened? Like, <laughs> And then it all just came to a standstill. <laughs> like like so, this, this became zero, is it? Like this. It became zero for a couple of weeks because we had to shut down the stores. And there was just such little clarity on what you can do, what you can't. Um, then we appealed for pet food to be considered an essential item. We wrote letters, we did social media campaigns because customers were going crazy. They said, you know, this is this is not a joke. I mean, uh, that's what my dog or cat lives on. How am I supposed to feed them? And so slowly but surely, one state at a time, we started to get passes. Uh, but we made sure that we were only selling essential items. And um, there was just chaos like there was everywhere else so the first wave was scary and uh, it was just confusing and difficult and <laughs> but i think we all got through it but, but fortunately you had money in the bank no? that 10 million fundraise yes. would have yes. given you financial comfort to not absolutely. have to do layoffs and stuff like that absolutely hmm. yes Okay. So how did business evolve due to pandemic? And I mean, you know, pandemic has forced every business to kind of pivot. So how did that happen for Heads Up Hotels? For us, it was an accelerated shift to e-com. That was for sure. And however, we, we've continued the uh, retail expansion. We haven't stopped. Um, we also really have continued hiring and onboarding of a lot of critical teams, Virtually to do that was difficult. I remember just not having met or met or seen a lot of these new people who were now leading so many things. And that was such a strange feeling or just talking to them on a Zoom call. It just wasn't the same. But I think we got better and better at it, you know, over trying to over communicate sometimes, trying to bring teams together and making sure that we had enough time to bond even if it were, was with a Zoom and I remember trying to open every call with a question like how was your weekend or what one highlight that you want to share about something. Just helping people bring a little bit of a personal aspect instead of just going into work because I think we all just missed lunchtime conversations, a, a walk together, coffee conversations. Just the magic of bringing four people in a room and brainstorming. I, I really did struggle with the virtual thing for a little bit and then slowly started getting better. But we did, we did, despite it being uh, difficult and even the supply chains being so broken, we really, we really pushed hard and tried to build a bigger vendor base. We scaled our in-house manufacturing. Um, so there was a lot that we were able to do. But I think the big lesson was just around agility and adaptability and how important that is. Uh, no matter how big or small you are, it's just important to think like that. And um, it was also new for us while we were scaling e-commerce to understand the digital customer because they were very different from our 
offline customer our offline customer is much more loyal they have a we have a relationship with them for many have been with us for many years we know them we know their dogs we know them by name and so for the online customer understanding that they're looking for convenience they're looking for a very wide catalog they're looking for price um uh, competitiveness just being able to and also learn about digital first strategies how do you acquire online there were so many things that we were learning and trying to experiment with hmm. um, so what did you learn about uh, driving sales online like you know if you had to give some bullet points to other founders on how to go online and how to drive sales online what are like drivers for growing that drivers are on getting the fit between your product and customer and market correct you know what is it that your customers want so we spent a lot of time understanding our customers trying to see how do we build segments what does each segment want how do we map our customer journeys because so of the course the easy thing offline, to say is digital uh, marketing hmm, sorry hmm. the, the yeah. offline product market fit doesn't translate to online product market fit not as easily because again discoverability is limited because nobody is typing in for mental stimulation toys for dogs right <laughs> whereas if somebody came offline we'd be like okay now your dog can't really go out for a walk here are three four games that you can play at home to keep them busy happy engaged so because these are just new products they just aren't that easily discoverable online so so there still needs to be a lot of awareness built around them so uh, online for you is a lot of uh, customer education then like th- that could have been a key driver yes yes it is absolutely and always has been and i think that actually it's exciting also because it's it's nice to be able to give value to your customer how do you create that value it's through education through helping them learn something new if that's what they value some people don't value that they just want um the price the price yeah, is what is most price. important and some people value convenience that i want it now or i want it tomorrow morning so just understanding the different motivations and i remember you mentioning at the start of the conversation that retail can be quite difficult and there are so many parts to it but i feel online is much harder than retail it's so much harder <laughs> so, and of course it's so much more exciting because you can scale it up that much but um when we were at a place where it was 50-50 the offline piece felt so much easier customer would come in buy what they wanted and leave there's no returns and exchanges and couriers and you know all of that stuff but now of course you know we have to be able to get those pieces right whatever it takes and keep getting better at it what is the mix today offline versus online today we are about 60-40 so 60% is online and 40 is offline And Sorry, how many sixty percent is offline and forty okay. is online. Okay, okay. And how many stores do you have now? We have forty-two stores, and we have about eight more in the pipeline and fit-outs. So by the end of the year, we'll have about fifty. So you like doubled from like two thousand nineteen to today. Nineteen, you had about twenty odd stores. I think. Yes. Yes. Wow. Okay. So, uh, like. Uh, why during uh, you know uh, at, did you see retail picking up footfall picking up or like why did you decide to invest more in offline 
we realized that if that was a core part of our strategy then we might as well continue it and it's something that we just believe in that slowly but surely um it is that the mix is what uh is helping us understand our customers and you know be able to reach have our products reach them well and for a little bit of course we did break uh, when there was no option during the lockdowns uh, but then we said okay let's just keep trying you know maybe we maybe we get better deals at this time and we did once in a couple of places because retail there was a lot of people coming out of there so we got better deals we just wanted to go slow one one store at a time and we've just been building it ever since and and also it's that uh, thought that maybe immediately there's not a return but in the future you know whether it's one year or two years it may help plus at a time when a lot of people are coming out of a particular industry you get better locations as well locations is um, not easy to find so there's more supply and and there's all the advantages that come with that even if it's for the short run tell me about your learnings with respect to location like you know you realize the khan market location and that would have probably attuned you to how to evaluate a location and you know so tell me about that like yes we we tried um a couple of different formats we tried a stand alone we tried a mall location we tried a neighborhood location and we tried a um high street location which is like a khan market and we realized that we need a little bit of all of them but we need to be able to be intelligent in the way that we're thinking about it so for example um if it's a high street uh, those rentals are much more so we need to be mindful about where we're opening how big should the store be not necessarily invest in a very large format there but it's really for branding it's like your your board is really like a billboard in some ways just reminding people of you and building trust and enabling the discoverability the standalone stores were slightly more larger format but then when we first opened them we found that it was not so easy to have people walk in they had to drive up to the store especially for us and of course over the years we've built up that those clientele uh, that come in frequently and and they've been with us and so many of them have been loyal but it took a very long time to build that up and then you have the mall stores again those are uh to in in very high footfall areas but we've also we've also gone wrong we've gone wrong with locations four five times where what locations uh, went wrong like again a mix of all um hmm. a mix of sometimes a mall has not worked out and another Which mall, mall has done like, really give, well give me like more details na like for what? example we we had a we had a store at the shanti niketan mall in bangalore we just closed that down because it was breaking even but it was just slow for a long time and it just wasn't seeing the kind of traction that we wanted it to then we opened in a club in gurgaon which uh, apparently had a lot of footfall but our store was at the back and nobody would come to the back um things like that you know where we realized that it has to be visible they say in look in retail there is only one rule location 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 right right <laughs> right. right yeah and yeah. sometimes for a lower rental you feel okay maybe i can try and maybe i can spend more on marketing and maybe i can drive footfall but the pain involved and the time involved in making that happen just made us realize that it's it's perhaps just not worth it and in a niche category where our goal is discoverability we just have to be in 
places where people can find us very easily and pay places where people come for their everyday stuff you know whether it's a local market whether you're coming to buy your milk and bread and eggs every day or whether it's a mall that you would go into for 20 other things um or a high street you know we realized that we had to be there okay okay and uh, you know so uh, in terms of customer education like what all stuff are you doing there like that is an important driver for your online growth so tell me It about is. that like we spent a lot of time on using social media because we realized all our, our customers were spending their time there so a lot of educational posts a lot of educational videos we've been writing blogs primarily instagram and facebook for us um we found twitter not to be or maybe we just don't know how to use it well enough at the moment but it's not where we're very active uh, so it's primarily these two and um, we've been creating content for the last many many years however now when i look back at some of it i feel like the videos look a little bit dated you know 7 years old so it's 8 years old 5 years old and i feel like that video space and the content space is also moving so quickly that i feel like i want to remake a lot of those so work so is what, in progress what kind of video like are they like animated videos or like you actually like you sit with a dog and yes yes it could be me or it could be members of my team or it could be an expert who's telling tra- helping us understand how do you train your dog how do you cut their nails uh, why is something more important how about cats how do you even approach them you know what are the myths that we can uh, bust around so many things that we think incorrectly and just helping people understand how they can help their pets live their best lives and does this also uh, like get published on your website and you know do you get that seo benefit like if i search for some problem with my cat for example w- would i like land on your blog as a solution to that like we we never optimized so well for seo but recently we started to just change uh, some of our um, blogs and make them more seo friendly but even on the website we have a lot of content we've got you know we've got something called the huff tv which is primarily our youtube channel and we've got the blog in in a written format and then for audio we've just started this podcast i was mentioning to you about so there is a lot happening and we just have to get better at being able to uh, present it in in a more consumable manner so that people can actually benefit from it mm-hmm. okay okay so 21 you raised another round uh, tell me about that uh 21 yes just recently that was um, the first time that we went um the vc way and it was very exciting uh the lead the lead investors were verlin west and sequoia so sequoia we had been speaking to for the last 2 years um and we had we had met them a couple of times and we said we're not ready yet uh and then earlier in the year they reached out and said okay how are you guys doing and we said okay maybe we're ready should we just talk and they said yes <laughs> and then we did and it just it just happened um so it's been very exciting world invest also came in and you know they're they're lovely as well so we feel like we have two really great partners um world invest has been in the pet space for a long time and so they bring that understanding and sequoia brings many many other um areas of expertise as well so excited about what's to come excited about what we're going to build and how we're going to build it 
um and, and yes, this was a pretty happened. large round right 37 yes, million it was it was yes and uh, what is going to be your turnover now like is it still doubling so like 19 it was you, you told me i think 25 crores something like yes, that yes it was about that much um hmm. last year we did about 70 something and so this wow. year we are hoping to close at at around 150 wow amazing amazing okay great awesome so uh, you know uh, what is the uh, unit economics like over here you know like uh, what what kind of margins do you typically have on products and how does it differ from offline and online margins are very very dakshay so food companies um give very thin margins which are pretty much almost all lost when you ship a bag of food uh so and yet that is a big category for all um everybody in the industry uh, and it's a difficult one to crack online and so uh, like uh, on your own website you also sell like pedigree and other uh, yes we do okay. we do so the and margins vary from 18% all the way to about 50 60% so it's a quite a varied range uh, depending on each category primarily plus our in-house brand versus third party brands so there is uh, quite a mix there hmm and do the margins differ from online and offline like no no they don't oh they are the same no. okay yes. okay yes. okay and how much of your online sales is through your own website and how much through marketplaces it's almost a 50 50 split so we do about 50% uh, online i mean via headsupfortales.com and 50% through other channel partners so what is your online strategy going forward like next couple of years what what do you want it to be like we want it to be a destination where you can find everything for your pets whether it's product whether it's content whether it's community and um, really how will community happen like community is you know via for example uh, facebook groups and other groups that we want to build online where pet parents get connected they're able to help each other answer questions we're in the process of also building out an app uh, which adds a lot of value in so many small ways there it's a lot easier for you to get connected to other people it's easy for you to save data you know when do you need your next vaccine when does your pet need their next vaccination or deworming or little things like that so we're really trying to see how do we add lots of value into an app mhm yeah, uh, you're also looking at like bringing in uh, a lot of the, like say a uh, listing of veterinary doctors whom they can like yes, approach absolutely. and stuff like absolutely. that absolutely okay. yes mm-hmm. so like a all in one app for a pet owner like anything all in one Yes. For his pet, he can find it over there. Absolutely. Be it a service, be it a product, be it advice. Yes. Okay. That's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sounds like an interesting vision. Mm-hmm. Yes, And, we're very excited. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, what uh, what is like your online reach today? Like n- number of people, yeah, wise like some rough estimate. Uh, Or like we hmm. we do about. Thirty, forty, thirty thousand orders a month online. So um, yeah, traffic is of course much more. Conversions are a lot less than traffic. So yes, tentatively around that much. 
Okay, okay. And how many cities are you in now? Like you were in four cities in 2019. Now what is that? Yes, now we are in nine cities. Wow. What, what all have you added? Like we've added Ludhiana, we added uh, Lucknow, we've added um um Hyderabad, we added Chennai. Um we've added uh, gosh I'm like <laughs> totally blanking out. <laughs> uh, that's fine. But uh, yeah. do you do you see uh, offline more like more growth from smaller cities now going forward like we've just started to try tier 2. Um we just also did Ahmedabad. Uh, so we're going to see how what the response is like a lot of them are fairly new and they need a couple of months to um let people know that we're here so we're going to see how that works and if it is then we'll be so excited to go and try more tier 2 cities is there like a, a significant price difference between let's say a heads up for tail product and the same product from a regular pet store there isn't actually but there is the perception that there is so <laughs> yeah there isn't though we've tried to make everything very competitive it's uh we want to be able to reach a large audience and we really want heads up for tails to be in every home so we've worked on a very wide catalog where there is something for everyone there is for example a collar that may start at 199 and then we have which is a basic collar but still durable still strong and then you may have a printed version or a designer version that goes up to 7 800 rupees but we've really tried to widen it and build for everybody anyone mm-hmm. with a pet. Mm, okay. And uh, what is the uh, like kind of competition that you have? Do you have like organized competitors? Yes, there have mm. been a, quite a few new players who have come into the market mm. uh, who are much more organized and then of course we have like heaps in of offline firm, online uh. in both in both. Um so somebody may have six stores, somebody may have 10 um and then online also there are quite a few new actually online there is just so many new people who've come in uh, some are smaller some have more funding and are larger so it is it is getting popular as an industry and as a space and everyone seems to think that it's um it's very hot right now but the truth is that it's still very niche and like i said the market size is at the maximum still about 7 8000 which is tiny as compared to cosmetics or anything else so um so yeah we'll see how how it progresses and it is definitely becoming slowly growing okay you you must be the biggest player now in this industry like compared at to the, the other players at the moment yes because we have a head start of couple of years um so but we have to obviously work harder and harder to retain that because everybody else has us to learn from and for us it took us a long time uh, to learn ourselves and uh, you know uh, is uh, life different as a woman founder as compared to being a male founder or is it like it doesn't matter for me uh, the only thing that's different is um I I am the I mean I think as a mother it's hard to balance uh work and home but otherwise I don't think so I think that it depends on your personality you could be any kind of male or female founders but it's just that as as just as a mother that is a primary responsibility that no one else can quite take from you 
and um, that is a very very big responsibility but other than that i don't think so okay so my last question to you what advice do you have for women young women who are considering starting up i i'd say that starting up needs a lot of grit which is a combination of passion and perseverance and things take a while to be able to come together so you have to really hang in there for the long haul um and it can be very overwhelming a lot of people will discourage you and you are expected in society to play a certain role whether it's managing your home or your husband's home and family uh, but and when it does seem overwhelming don't stop but take one small step at a time you don't have to take big leaps but you just keep moving forward little by little Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, good advice. <laughs> okay, okay. So, uh, tell me about Heads Up for Tails Foundation. Akshay, we started the foundation formally just in, two years ago in two thousand nineteen, but we've been working on a lot of these causes ever since we started out. Uh, and the main the main aim of the foundation is to help with peaceful coexistence of human and animal, especially in urban cities. and to remind people that we have a shared planet because what we see is that people forget that and we see them shooing away uh, these dogs and cats who may live outside their office or outside their home forgetting that this belongs to them as well and this is their home so what we've been doing is um trying to just create awareness and trying to educate again people because we we feel that it's about a mind shift change and you start to care about something only when you understand it um and in addition to a lot of education we've been doing things like vaccination programs like an anti rabies or sterilization program so that there are not more babies being born on the streets um food drives we've done more than 5 6 lakh of food um sponsorships in fact we send out food a bag of food with all our online orders as well above a certain value uh so that customers are also empowered to to make that change and go and feed a dog in need um so adoption drives we use our stores to do lots of adoption drives and uh really trying to also change the mindset against our indian dogs there's a lot of bias there and we want them to be equal to any other breed and if you feel that they are um, if you're looking for a breed where you are able to give the time of you know and energy for a dog that is super intelligent great with family but does need a lot of exercise and it's just uh, they they're just absolutely wonderful and we just want to be able to shift the perspective a little bit where we see even even people who love dogs will shun them or throw a stone or say okay get them away from my gate and that's just uh, It, they have so much of love and friendship to actually extend if we can just understand them a little bit and peacefully share our space so that's really a lot of what the work the foundation is doing are you trying to change at a like a you know more through government regulation kind of an impact like you know like a more large scale country wide impact like we're not we're not we haven't yet gotten involved there um it's a difficult space to go into so we feel that whatever we can do again one message at a time you know one person at a time and sometimes we organize feeding drives sometimes we do things like um 
just distribution of now now in the winters we'll give away heaps of beds we've done about lots of reflective collar drives where dogs get hit by by cars at night because they can't see them but with the reflective collars you can you know you can spot them easily so little things that we can do where we can change one you know help uh, one person at a time one dog or cat at a time that's really what we want to do but we believe that the larger impact will come not by these smaller drives but really by mindset change uh, and that's where you can mobilize a lot of people to come together and do more good how do you uh, do the mindset change like is it through like uh, social media campaigns or what is right now it is through social media but we had before the pandemic hit we had started to go into schools we had started to go into slum areas where especially you know they're afraid of dogs and they see one and they pick up a stone because they're afraid of rabies and you know helping children helping people to understand dog body language how to communicate with them how to approach a dog correctly so many reasons why people get bitten is because they're not understanding the signals that that animal is giving to you or they don't understand just them at all so there's a lot of fear and um, people do things that they can easily avoid uh, so so hopefully we should be able to go back into more physical mod- models in the coming months yeah you, you know the, the funny thing about india is that the lower down in social hierarchy people are the more they are closer to animals you know the more educated yes. you are yes. the more you will like shun an animal absolutely or, but absolutely. but i have seen so often like a panwala with a very small khoka will be giving yes. biscuit and milk to the dogs near his khoka Yeah, so. and that's so heartening right that when they have little they're still willing to share and so many people who have so much they just aren't so i think it's just about reminding them because it's it's in all of us but sometimes we forget yeah 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 mm-hmm. if you have got a pet in the family then i'm sure you would love to pamper them with some premium products check out the entire heads up for tails product line at headsupfortails.com This episode of Founder Thesis podcast is brought to you by Long Haul Ventures. Long Haul Ventures is the long haul partner for founders and startups that are building for the long haul. More about them is at www.longhaulventures.com.